0: Good morning. Good to see you this morning. I'd like to introduce some special guests we have with us, Gary and Joni Hamilton. Um, they are here from Chico. He is the pastor of Chico Community Church. And Gary and Joni came very early in our church's existence to help us start Church in the Valley a long time ago. And uh, then after several years, they went out and launched the church. Gary helped with teams, you know, the teams that set up Tear Down. He helped with the organizational structure. And Joni was our children's ministry director at the time. So it was a little smaller then. We've learned how to be fruitful and multiply. So we have plenty of kids. But anyway, would, would you all stand? We'd like to welcome you this morning. Chico Church is part of the Hope Global Network. They're a very key part of it, and just glad to have them here today. I want to explain something uh, about myself today that's going to just ease your concerns, I think. Um, Right after the message, I'm going to head out and go to Alhambra. Nothing, I'm not upset. It wasn't that anybody fell asleep during the message or anything like that, but uh, Alhambra, our Alhambra campus... Is celebrating their first anniversary today so I'm gonna they start at 1030 Uh, we're gonna leave and try to get there in time for the celebration so I can say a word and pray at the end of of the worship service we'll see how that works it it ought to be interesting with LA traffic but uh, that's where I'm going that's what's going on Uh, today we're we're continuing the the message series we're calling everything we're looking at God uh, his character and how knowing the nature of God really matters uh, in everything we face and experience in life. Uh, pe- people all over the world have this bent to believe in God, and it's a ma- majority by far. Um, but but when you turn your attention to him, uh, the answers to some questions are very, very important about his nature and, and character. In fact, it, it means everything. Things like, can You really know God. Can He really be known? Does does He really care? Uh, Does He pay attention to what's going on? Is He he checking everything out uh, in the world? And as we wrestle with those kinds of questions, we want to use this series to show how the Bible's been written, how God's put it together. He Himself uh, has told us about his nature and character in the scriptures and so we're going to look at how he's put the bible together for us to actually discover who he is Uh, for instance last week we launched a series and we looked at how god is love there would be no love in this world if god were not loving he's the source of all love we looked at how his love is giving uh, when he sees a legitimate need He takes action to meet that need. He he does something about it. His love is active, not passive. He's forgiving. His love is forgiving. God's gone to great lengths to pay for our sin and forgive those who will trust Him with their lives, trust what Jesus has done on the cross. His love is without malice. He, He is a judge. God's love is the love of a judge. But it's not a judgmental love. In other words, his judgments, even his judgments flow out of his love and character, not from ill will or malice. Also, his love is unfailing. His his love is consistent and persistent. He never lets go. We just sang about this. He never lets go, and he never gives up on his people. Each week, as we describe more of who God is, keep each aspect of him in mind. We want to do some reminders at the beginning, just... Because uh, as you consider each part of God's nature and character that we're going to be talking about, all the others are true. God is all of these characteristics at the same time, just like you're all of your characteristics, except His love, and today we're talking about His power, when you when you talk about those things. He always is love, and he always has the incredible amount of power that he has, completely undiminished. He, he never changes. When you're getting acquainted with a new friend, you, you sort of learn things about them uh, progressively over time. It's always fascinating when you learn something about an old friend that you didn't know before, like the other day. Cindy and I were in a meeting where a really good friend of ours, a very close friend for over 20 years, was sharing his story, and she caught something that she, hadn't, it, she didn't know before. It's, it's fascinating. You, you know. Over time, you get to, to know more about your friends. Well, this is the way we get to know God in the same way. Uh, and it's also the way that God made himself known to the world from the beginning, from Genesis and the beginning of the world, through revelation, God has made himself known progressively. Uh, From the beginning of time, uh, he's revealed more and more of himself to humanity. And so, we come to know him in this life a little at a time, uh, just like he revealed himself to the world. And uh, on into eternity we 'll know him more fully, but right now we we get to know a little little more of him as we move along it 's fascinating to to learn more about god it's it's, it's very interesting and fun and incredibly meaningful that 's what we 're talking about so in a very general sense, the belief that God exists comes from seeing what he 's made you know we can we can look out those those doors, those windows over there, we can see God's creation, a little taste of it. I like it on a clear day. I, don't, I can't tell how clear it is. I, I hate to encourage you to look out the windows, but it is a beautiful sight. Um, when it's clear, it's awesome to see the mountains. And when you're immersed in creation and look at all that God's made, what happens is you get this general sense that God is all-powerful. It's what Romans 1 says. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible nature. He's talking about everybody on earth, whether they have faith or not. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they were without excuse. As you take in creation, as you get immersed in it, you get a sense of the power of the one who made it all. A couple of months ago, I mentioned an article from Time magazine, and the title of the article was Why There Are No Atheists at the Grand Canyon. And uh, some profs from Claremont College and from USC social scientists did a study, and uh, they found that when people get immersed in the wonders of creation, they experience a sense of awe. I know I've, I've, I had the same thing when I went to the Grand Canyon, thinking I was just going to go there, look for 10 minutes, and leave, just on a trip, that I just thought, I'll take it. But I, I got to the Grand Canyon, and I was, I, there was this awe that I it, experienced at how incredible the sight I was seeing was this creation this bit of creation that just sort of overpowered me, Uh, the study found that awe makes people want to see events as a result of design. So when your mind drifts to the one who could have designed and created the universe, you are gripped by the sheer power uh, that he must have, that that being must have. This is what Romans is talking about. this This is what that just that you realize the one behind the creation of the world is powerful and divine he's not like me <laughs> i couldn't have pulled this off i couldn't have done this he's divine he's he's separate than i am and he his abilities are far beyond any human being or the entire population of the earth combined he, he is he is amazing the bible fills us in with some important details about the creator that's why god put it together it's god's way of making himself known to us in a very clear understandable way it's really his autobiography that he wrote through uh, various men listen to what god says at the at the end of the scriptures in revelation one eight. toward the end um, i am the alpha and the omega and he means i'm that's the first letter and the last letter of the greek alphabet first i'm the beginning and the end says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. There, there is a ton that we could pull out of this passage. But for our purpose today, we see that he refers to himself as Almighty, all-powerful. In the first book of the Bible, Genesis, we get a glimpse, just a glimpse, of the absolute power of God in creation. He speaks the world into existence out of nothing. Nothing existed, God speaks, and then it it comes into existence. Only God has that kind of absolute power. Something must have this power or we wouldn't exist because nothing cannot create something. There must be one who exists eternally. No human artist or inventor brings something into being. When we talk about creating as human beings, it means something very, entire, very different than nothing existed and boom, I brought it into existence. Only God can do that. Listen to what R.C. Sproul says. No artist can speak to his paint and create the Mona Lisa. A sculptor would be called a lunatic for standing in front of a mountain and commanding it to turn into Mount Rushmore. Human beings cannot change the course of nature or bring things into existence by sheer talk, but God can. His voice is almighty. He he himself is all-powerful. When God uses the phrase, who is and who was and who is to come to describe himself, he's saying, I am eternal. I am the one who existed before anything else. I I started it all. I am the father of creation. I am the originator. I've always existed. I always will exist. I'm almighty. I have the entire universe under my control. When, When someone has absolute power like God... Their character matters a great deal. (laughs) What they are like is of tremendous concern. That's why the world, nations, and the powers we get concerned when nations who have ruthless dictators over them are working toward atomic power. That matters. It matters who has control of that kind of power. And so we get concerned. You know, I I wouldn't want to be friends with the dictator of North Korea, frankly. You know, we're a little concerned. He's moving toward atomic power. I wouldn't want to be his friend because I've seen what he's done to a couple of his friends. They're gone off the face of the planet here. And so... When, when you know someone who has that kind of power on a human level, or you know God who has absolute power over the universe, it matters a great deal what he's like and who he is. The good news is that God's power always flows through his character. And last week we looked at the fact that God is love. So we can know that his power will always flow through his love. God is who he is, and unchangeably so. Here's a video clip from the case for faith that explains how God uses his power in a way that's consistent with who he is. Some some theologians are sharing, and uh, some people who think uh, more deeply about these things. So I'd like you to get a glimpse of of this idea and how God's power flows through who he is. To understand the biblical view of evil and suffering we must first consider an apparent contradiction in five core beliefs of Judeo-Christian theology. God exists. God is all good. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful and There is evil in the world. It appears that there's a conflict between uh, God's goodness and God's power. If He was good, He'd want to get rid of all evil in the world. And if He is powerful, He'd be able to. But evil exists, and therefore He's either not good or He's not powerful. There's a lot of confusion about what it means to say God is all powerful. Many people think that means God can do anything. But the Bible is very clear that there are a lot of things God can't do. For example, the Bible teaches that God cannot swear by a name greater than himself. The Bible teaches that God cannot lie. It isn't that God just chooses not to lie. It's that he can't lie. C.S. Lewis once said, can a mortal ask questions that God finds unanswerable? And he said, yeah, quite easily. Um, Is yellow square or round? And how many hours are there in a mile? And uh, if you extend that a bit, yes, God can't make a square circle. So there are all sorts of things that God can't do because they'd be illogical or nonsensical. So when we talk about God being omnipotent, what we mean is God can do anything power can do, but we don't mean God can violate the laws of logic and do something contradictory. That's, that's for me, a very helpful explanation of how God is all-powerful. He has the power, but there are things he will not do. He cannot do because he is who he is, unchangeably so. And that's, that's actually a very reassuring fact about God, that he does not change. is solid we can trust in him we can lean on him so god has the power to do everything he promises and wills to do you find out what he promises and wills to do in scripture that's so it's important to know that but there are some things he doesn't do because of who he is and what he wills to do god will never change his character is fixed So we can trust him to do what is loving, right, and just with the power he possesses. Very important to know that about God. It means everything. (laughs) God's power is directed by who he is. He is good and reasonable in the way he relates to us. When we think of what the power of God could do to us, we want it to be limited. But when we think of what God's power could do for us, we want him to unleash it To do what we'd like him to do it's interesting isn't it the good news is God uses his power for those who give their lives back to him to make it good to bless as we as we learn to follow him more and more we put ourselves in position to experience his blessing which he has the power to give in Israel's history, which was the nation that God birthed to show the world more of what He was like, as He was revealing more of Himself about and more about Himself to the world, uh, in the history of Israel, God did some almighty things through them. I mean, it, there were some amazing things that He did. He brought them out of Egypt. the The, the Hebrew people were in slavery in Egypt. He miraculously brought them out of Egypt and displayed His power to fulfill His promise and purpose in some amazing ways. At one point, the Israelites were being chased by the uh, Egyptian army. They get to the edge of the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. They walk across on dry land. As the Egyptian army takes a step into the dry land, whoosh, they're swallowed up by the sea. Incredible! I mean, that's... That's amazing. That's awesome. That is almighty God working on behalf of the people that he was using for his purpose. Hundreds of years later, God sent a prophet named Isaiah to explain to the nation of Israel why they were in the dire circumstances they were experiencing. Half of the kingdom kingdom had been divided at this point, started out as one. Uh, But there were two kings, half of the kingdom was under siege by another nation, extreme oppression, it was horrendous. The other half of the divided kingdom was declining rapidly. And in this message that he sent through Isaiah, he explains what's going on. It's important to take note of what he says. He says in Isaiah 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. It's not that he can't hear. He doesn't hear. At this point in their history, God still possessed the power to help and could hear their prayers, but he, he chose not to, and he explains why, we need to pay attention to the explanation here. Their iniquities, their perversity, their rebellion, and their sins had blocked the flow of God's power to help. He, he will only help those who set out to do his will and accomplish his purpose with their lives. God, God will not help if we try to make life work using our own man-made strategies to make it come together. God, God just won't help. If He he gives you the option of going it on your own. He gives you the freedom to live independently of him. But we're not going to lead him along on a leash. He is God. He is almighty God. And so this is how God is. This is the way he works. He's not going to help. If we trust him, however, and... uh, we, we give ourselves to him, he, he will help. Faith is the gateway for God's power. And faith in scripture you find is, it's a faith that puts your life in his hands, that is willing to get into his word, the scriptures, and figure out what he says about life. And then live that way. That, that's real faith. And faith is the gateway for God's power to work. If we turn to God admit our sin and rebellion, put our life in His hands, He uses His power on our, for our behalf to do what He's promised and what He wills to do in our lives. And that is good. That's what He wants. This is the promise you see in Isaiah 59-20. It's, it's a few verses down from the one I just read. And a Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. A Redeemer will come to those who turn to God from their transgression, from their sin, from their perversity. Jesus is the promised Redeemer in this prophecy. His life, death, and resurrection show God's love and power toward us. His unfailing love is displayed on the cross where he died for our sins. His absolute power is displayed through the resurrection. This is where God's love and power come together. It's in the cross of Christ. And that's where we find help and salvation. And for me, I have to continue to recognize when I'm off and rebelling... Admit it, come back to God, and he gives the power to help me get back in line. This is, this is how it flows. Why does it matter who God is? Why does it matter that he's love and power, all powerful? Because it means that we can rely on him to meet our greatest challenges. He's going to help if we'll turn to him and do it his way. Any time we try to go around God or leave Him out of our plans altogether or our solutions, we move toward a self-sufficiently that puts him in a very dangerous place. Our man-made strategies fall short of helping us in our struggles. Uh, here are a few of the more man-made, common man-made strategies that we come up with. First one, we try to control others to get what we want or what we think is best. Uh, we have strategies that we use with people that we think we will control the outcomes in our lives sometimes we we know we want something we want respect or we want uh security or whatever it is and we're going to sort of arrange the people in our lives to meet those needs so we come up with strategies we we lie to get that get our way sometimes uh or we don't really lie we tell white lies and we just leave out enough information to get what we want it's a man-made strategy family life is a major challenge i mean let's face it to have good relationships we can enjoy i have to keep humbling myself i have to keep oh i shouldn't have said that i shouldn't have done that it's And I have to have compassion. I have to see through the eyes of the other people around me. It's tough. But what we do natively sometimes is we push and manipulate to get what we want out of the people around us. Pushing people to relate in the way we think they should be relating will never bring joy. It builds resentment. And that's not how God relates to us. God never will override your will, or force you to obey him. He gives the freedom to relate or not because he wants joy to be the flavor of our relationship with him. Second man-made strategy is in worry and anxiety, we try to figure it all out ourselves. Uh, We can easily get preoccupied with things that are weighing on us, try to get solution to our challenges and lose concern for what God wants. Um, we trust in our own mental capacity uh, to figure it all out. We get consumed with solutions and we're afraid sometimes to take our mind off of our problem because if we ta- who's, who's going to figure it out if we let it go, if we don't think about it? If we don't work it out, who's going to? And, and so uh, this can rob us of the ability to handle the problem that we're dealing with. Often, I've seen God unwind my problems, my trouble, as I've asked for help, and as I've gone to his word, the Bible. He speaks to me. He, he helps me unwind. But I've got to rely on him. I can't try to figure it all out myself. Job is, is one of the oldest books in the Bible. And Job was an extremely wealthy man who lost everything. He lost his livestock, his, his home, all his possessions, and eventually his family. The book is written as he talks this over with his friends, trying to make sense of what's just happened. And one of his friends says this in Job 8, Such are the paths of all who forget God, who don't include him in solutions. The hope of the godless shall perish. His confidence is severed, and his trust is a spider's web. He leans against his house, but it does not stand. He lays hold of it, but it does not endure. Now, it's interesting. So his friends are telling him, Job, you must have sinned to bring all this trouble on you. And that's really not what happened. The very beginning of the book, you get a glimpse of why the trouble came on him. And it wasn't tied to his sin, any specific thing he'd done wrong. God was testing him. God was was uh you know allowing him to experience what we all experience trouble in life and so this friend is saying you know this is you forgot god and the hope of the godless shall perish which is very true there's truth in this and he says his trust is in a spider's web you know a spider's web makes a very poor hammock <laughs> it will not hold you up at all i mean you Big spiders, wave, you're going to hit the ground. He leans against his house, but it does not stand. He lays hold of it, but it does not endure. Trying to figure it out on our own is wasted mental energy. And it doesn't hold up. That's another strategy. Third strategy, we put hope in things with no real power to help. Psalm 115, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. They're idols. This is a contrast between God and idols. Uh, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. There are some passages where God, through the writer, is having fun, poking, mocking the idols. Like, you know, this piece of wood that you made with your own hands can do anything. (laughs) Hello? It can't. Um, They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses, but they do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. Trusting God is in stark contrast to trusting man-made idols. Often we're very tempted to put our hope in stuff we can see. God is spirit. We're going to talk about this in a few weeks. God is spirit. We, we can't see him. We can see what he's done. We can see what he does. We can see his effects. We can see the results of him being with us. We can't see him, uh, and we're tempted to put our hope in stuff that we can see. We can make an idol of everything. Um, something becomes an idol. When we try to get from that person or that thing... What only God can give, that makes it an idol. Sometimes we expect money to help like this. More money would solve all my problems. Uh, that new piece of technology is going to make life so good if I just had it. People can be some, become so important to us that we're trusting in them and not God. We, we're looking to them so they can meet needs that only God can meet. We, we look to work in the same way sometimes. In my work, I get caught up in my career, my work, so that I can get the fulfillment only God can bring. These are idols that we make. Only God himself, the one who made us and loves us and has the power to help, can meet our deepest needs. The stuff of this world that is made by the hands of men cannot take God's place in our lives. It just can't. These idols are totally impotent. They don't have the power to carry us through life and totally satisfy. So trusting an all-powerful God allows us to abandon these strategies and then we should surrender to God's plan and purpose for our lives. This is what Job says. This is what he does. I know in Job 42, I know you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. So God, here I am. I, I, I do what you want with me. I give myself to you. This could be our commitment. And this is where God wants us to be. As we look at who he is, he's love, he's all-powerful, and he wants us to trust him with our lives and come back and give our lives to him, knowing that he has the power to help and do what he pleases in our lives and through our lives and do good by us. I'd like to take a moment to wrap up the message and give you an opportunity to think through what we've just been looking at and what I've been talking about. Um, If you would, please pull out your connection card, take that out of uh, the program or if you have laid it aside, just take it up if you would and take some time finishing any information that you haven't had a chance to complete or some next steps uh, that i'm suggesting on the connection card and then when the offering comes around uh, you could drop that in the card Um, here's some suggested next steps let's look over those as the band takes their place Um, please pick one of these or more uh, that you'd like to step out and do this week first one would be to memorize job 42 too I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. That's a good reminder of God's power and, and that He's going to be working His purpose if we'll trust Him with our lives. Uh, actually, either way, He's going to work His purpose. I'd rather be working with Him as He works His purpose out. Number two step would be ask God to show me any man-made strategies I tend to rely on instead of His power. And then take some time this week to praise God and to thank Him for His love and power. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for the truth we see in Your Word. For the grace that You give and the way that You work. And I, I ask You, Lord, to really help us as You've laid these truths on our hearts. As You've spoken to us this morning. Give us the power to take the steps that You've shown us to take, God. We ask for Your help in this. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.